Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert. The podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Everybody, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to the Office Marketing Podcast. As you know, we try to cover a lot of different subjects, you know, lighting, furniture, flooring, and furniture is a huge, huge passion of mine. And I'm so glad that Beth Goth McMillan is jumping on the podcast today. She knows a lot about not just furniture, but the workspace and and how it impacts impacts companies, how it impacts people, and and really just how to set a tone for a, a, a company culture within their space with what you put into that space. Um, she is the president and CEO uh, of SKG in Texas. They are a, a really wonderful Knoll dealer. We're going to talk a little bit about um, really how, how furniture and how the workspace has sort of molded her life and gotten her to where she is today. So Beth, Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Thanks for having me. This is exciting. Well, it's most people don't necessarily think the commercial interiors are exciting unless you're in commercial interiors. And then you go, oh, it's exciting. But then when you get to sell Knoll, it's oh, even more exciting. So that it, you get to sell some of the most beautiful pieces ever made. You sell art is basically what you do. 100%. Yeah. That's really, hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? And walk us kind of your path, like this, this amazing path to get you to, to where you are today. You know, it's, it, it's so funny that we're starting there because literally I was having this conversation over the weekend. And, you know, when you talk to people that are in the furniture industry, there is no direct or clear path. It's not like you go to school and say, you know, one day I really want to be in the furniture industry. You, nobody says that. But once you're in it, it's like Hotel California. You almost can't leave. It is, it does, it gets into your soul. And, and I think I was really destined for this. I can remember one of my earliest memories was being in an art gallery with my mother. And I started crying. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, this is so beautiful. And I want to be an artist so badly, but I know artists are poor and I will not be poor. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it was one of those, like I knew, and I was very young. I was like, I really didn't truly understand what I was saying. I mean, I was so young. I didn't really understand right. all of that, but I did know the term starving artist. And, um, but I, I loved what the element of design can do when it evokes an emotion. And I was the kid that my room was always clean. It was always straight. And I would clean literally with soap and water my furniture in my bedroom when I was a little girl. I mean, I've always been obsessed with space. Okay, so, so how yeah. do you end up in, so you either could have had an amazing uh, commercial janitorial business, which is an right. awesome industry, which, which yep. if we had all gone into that, we'd all be making a lot more money right now. No um, or final clean business, sanitizing business. Sure. But, but somehow your path took you to furniture. How'd that happen, Beth? Um, so after college, actually while in college, I started interning at a dealership that offered both commercial and residential design services. My undergrad was a Bachelor of Fine Arts with a concentration in design, minor in psychology. 
And that to me was, I'm, I'm that kid, I'm the why person. I'm the one that will just poke and poke because I want to understand, I want to understand human behavior. So I clearly, right while in college, I really loved this notion that design creates an environment, it creates a space, but I really love the commercial side because I got to impact more on a larger scale. Residential is like one home at a time, one family at a time. The commercial side, I can impact hundreds or thousands at a time, but I could really change what their experience was. And so I started, um, I started as an intern and then I realized as a designer, I would have to work for many, many years and be a slave to the craft, or I could immediately jump in on the furniture side in the design furniture side, and I could I could dig in more quickly. And so I jumped in um, into a furniture dealership design department right out of school. I was 21, didn't know anything. Of course, you think you know everything, and that that's really where it all started. I started in Dallas. I left my roots of northern kentucky louisville kentucky area moved to dallas started at a dealership and um my my path was you know winding and it was great that it was but it predominantly hovered around the Knoll family i started at a Knoll dealership then i went to work uh in the Knoll family as an account manager and loved i hated the word sales but I loved solving problems. And I'll tell them, I said, please don't ever call me a seller, but I'd love to be an account manager. I would love to dig in and really get to know a large enterprise and help them solve problems. And it went from that and it parlayed into, I'm one of the youngest regional managers at Knoll. Um, so I was running sales and distribution at 31 and covered a, a massive territory. And I did that for a dozen years. And then I started my very first business on my own. I started a consulting business um, that all I did was want to attach myself to a design firm, to a real estate firm, to a project management team and help them solve for the furniture procurement process. Because it was so much more than what people thought, like how the industry distilled the furniture decision and the furniture making process was so diluted and it's so powerful when you think about what furniture the vehicle of furniture it's a strategic business tool it's what connects us to our work and i hated how everybody was like yeah let's think about that last let's not worry about that till the very end and meanwhile i'm watching everybody make mistakes i'm watching them make catastrophic timing and monetary mistakes because they kept pushing it to the end. And I knew if we can infuse that earlier in the process and really explore what can furnishings bring, what is the experience that that can bring to a space and to an environment, it radically changes the experience for the employees. So I had my own consulting company and um, then it, bounced me into being hired as CEO of SKG when they were looking for new ownership and partners. And there was a lot of other things that happened along the way, but those are, those are the big milestones. I love it. I love it, Beth. I, I remember I won a, I won a big project for a, I want to, I don't want to call it a startup because I think they had about 500 employees here in town. And I was talking to the two owners and I, I'm kind of making it's between us and two other people. And I looked at them and I said, Hey guys, um, and I'd heard, I heard, I stole this word from somebody else. 
But I said, I want you, I want to help you build a culture, right? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I actually stole it from a, another great marketing guy um, named Russell Brunson, who does some cool uh, marketing stuff. But I looked at them and I said, you know, you're growing. And actually, they've grown, they, I think they've added another thousand employees since, since then. And, and I said to him, I said, I really want to help you build this culture. And they were like, I like that. I want to, you know, because because just because it's a cult doesn't mean it's a bad thing, right? I mean, cults can, you know, we, we wanted people to be able to go, gosh, I want to work there. I love that energy. I love it when I get off the elevator or if I walk into that space, it vibes well. And it's, it's, it's a place where I can be productive or I have multiple places, right? And, and that's what I love. I miss that a lot about the furniture sale piece of it is kind of helping people and really understanding their culture. And you and I had a great pre-meeting and I know, you know, would you say you're an anthropologist at heart? Oh, I, right? oh totally, 100%. And I, so while in school, I literally took, I went to a liberal arts university and I took every psychology, sociology and anthropology class for what? And they were like, wait, I thought you were a bachelor of fine arts. I was, I'm obsessed with why. Why do we do the things we do? And, and we've infused that into the business. And I think that's probably our biggest differentiator is we really focus on that why. And I, I do, I want to needle in and understand the business and what makes them tick. And good or bad, why do they have the culture that they have? Because mm -hmm. you can have a polarizing culture or you can have an inclusive, inclusive uh, culture that draws people in. And when they're in, they don't want to leave. And so, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. And that's, that's kind of been my, my life's work. Yeah, that's creating. fun though. I mean, oh and my that's, gosh, so great. well, you've got, and, and you, I know you've been there, right? You've been at the table and you've got a, um, a CEO that might go, yeah, I, I, you know what? I just got roped into this meeting. You got a CFO saying, all right, what's the bottom line? What's this going to cost us a square foot? You know, how is this, how can I angle for more TI to get the space and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? And then you got like a, a HR director that's going like, oh, I want like, I actually, now the HR director is getting a bigger seat at the table. And that's beautiful to see. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, I will tell you, when I was first offered to, to what you're saying, when I was first offered this position, you know, to come down, let's do some due diligence. At the time it's called Shelton Keller. We rebranded SKG. I was like, man, I'm in Dallas. I have, I have two businesses in Dallas. I, I, I mean, I was in this wonderful space. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I hear great things about Austin. I visited Austin. Um, but I, it wasn't until I put my feet in the soil and there's something radically different. When we engage with customers here, when we engage with clients, and I don't care what firm, I don't care if they're corporate, I don't care if they're education, healthcare, there is something different. And it was, intoxicating and it's very different than any market I've ever been in here the people at the table they want to be challenged and they ask those tough questions and it's hard it is hard to be leader of a company and say what are we not doing well why what is going to make our employees love us more not just about benefits but how do we create this culture and people here in central Texas they want that. They want 
they will engage it even at the highest level. We have a lot of CEOs that come in and I'm working like mano y mano with a lot of CEOs that have called and want to outside of everybody, go grab a cup of coffee and say, you know what, Beth, we're struggling. And I, it, to be in a place where CEOs can be that vulnerable, those are the companies that are doing really radical things within their space. Mm. And, it I- is, and that has really changed it. That's why I'm here, frankly. Um, and I think that's what so many businesses are moving to Central Texas. I mean, my God, I mean, they're just coming here dozen by dozen every month. There's something special here and people, it's okay to be challenged and to not know everything and bring experts to the table to say, push me and push me further than I thought. And it all is around one thing. How do we capture the talent and retain the talent that drives greatness? Mm. Well, here's the thing is we're on, we're in uh, sort of uncharted waters, right? And, and granted you're in Texas and uh, Governor Abbott has been, you know, a little bit of a cowboy uh, kind of, you know, pushing things. Um, And I'm in Georgia and and Governor Kemp has done the same thing. I, I ran this morning. I ran a little later than normal, right? I run on somewhat a busy road here in Atlanta and there was traffic like, pre-shutdown traffic in Atlanta, all right? Um, and to kind of loop this back around, episode 30 of this podcast, I had Kay Sargent, she runs Workspace for HOK. Okay. So if anybody's listening to this, want to kind of go with a complimentary one. So that was back a few months ago. So what are you seeing now, right now that we're getting into summer, we're getting into summer of 2021. What are you seeing now that people are doing in their spaces, specifically to try to get their teams to feel more comfortable coming back into the space. Oh, that's a, so how long is this podcast? Uh, that's a big one. That's a big one. And it's, a, and it's across the board. I think one common thread is everybody has left the politics at the door. Um, a few months ago, you could see the businesses, I mean, and, and I don't even have to go down that path, but I, it was the first time in my life that I ever saw C-suite members paralyzed in making a decision, and truly paralyzed, in terms of if I make this decision, am I going to be sued? If I make this decision, what part of my staff is going to quit because they don't believe in it? I mean, there was so much wrapped around, and there's been so much thrown at us from the social aspect to the health aspect, just all of it, political aspect. I think now... I'm listening to CEOs and C-suite members say enough. We, we have to be back. We're better when we're together. This is awesome that we know what we can do when we're apart, but we were a better company when we were together. So we're going to do it. And, it. and it's running the gamut of people saying we, we're coming back and we're coming back on this day and you're expected to be in the office. I, I, I see the one thing that everybody's doing is they're preparing their policy to support the return to site. Meaning the policy will be, you're either vaccinated and you're not, and if you're not, you're on your own. Like we're encouraging vaccination, but if you're not gonna do it, anything that happens, it's on you, not our business. They're, but, they're, but they're making a policy. Right. But I see people, or they're saying, we're going to come back on this date, 
and we need you back for three days. You can be at home working for two days. Everybody's in this policy making stage, which people weren't even up for even considering what that looked like six months ago. So I see everybody preparing the employee piece and the HR piece. And like literally people were just passing and banging on my glass. I'm like a caged monkey. I, I have a glass office. So visitors are coming through all the time. Right. But our showroom is busy all the time. But we redid our showroom to literally give people a working example of how do you return to site. We have been our own test case. And so people are touring it nonstop. Mm. Like, how did you do that? How did smart. you get All right. It? So what are you doing, Beth? I mean, you, listen, um, you got to tell us. Like, yeah. what yeah. what are you doing to show people how to go back to the space? Now, listen, I'm yeah. a little bit of a cowboy. Yeah. I, I'm, again... I'm, I tend to lean, I'm, I'm the, you know, alpha sales guy. I'm kind of like, I'm just going to go back to the office. I'm all right. But I have to respect that other people don't necessarily feel the same way I do. And how do we, how do we make sure that all uh, different types of personalities that are all necessary for a great uh, work culture, what are we doing to help those different groups feel comfortable going back to the space? This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com. So this is such an exciting dialogue. And the first thing that we did, we really took four important steps. But the first thing we did is what we always do, regardless pandemic or not. Why? What do we need to do as a business for the business and what what does that mean and for us it's what is healthy for the business what is healthy for our employees why do we exist how do we collaborate like what is what is our why as a business and at the heart of it we solve for space so if we could not figure out that is that is why we exist we want to revolutionize space so if we can't even figure it out how could we ever go support a customer so we had to really lean into what are we made of? What is in our DNA and what is our why? Well, our why is we revolutionize space. And all of that, that everything else kind of hinged off of that. And we're also an employee first company. So we first had to do a lot of stakeholder meetings. We did lots of surveys. We really tested people's tolerance. And we did that all throughout the different stages. Um, we've been back in the office since June of last year even a small and when we kind of systematically grew out. At the beginning of uh, January, 2021, we completely redid the showroom. But first we did a full, like, full company exploration. We really leaned into the research. The second thing that we did is we communicated it. We were really clear, we were really transparent. And we also said, hey, look, if this doesn't work, we'll fix it. Like we don't, we don't have all the answers but we're not gonna be paralyzed. We're going to do the research. We're gonna lean into their research. We're gonna apply the research. Then we're gonna monitor it and then we're gonna adapt. So first it was research, second it was communication. Then we went into ideating on before and after. We have 75 employees and everybody was, uh, everybody worked for work, but it, also everybody was flat. We, we do have a distributed workforce. We have people all over the country 
So one, our whole company wasn't in the office. We have several different showrooms. We have a warehouse. So we were already a distributed workforce. So why did we even in our minds act like we were an eight to five, five days a week because we weren't that to begin with. When, when we got really real with ourselves, that we said, how is it that we really work? We don't work at our station. And this, our whole office was just jam-packed with everybody wanting, I want my own head down desk. Then we started monitoring, how often are we there? Mm -hmm. We're there maybe 30% of our day. So the first thing that we did is we went to unassigned. Everybody has an unassigned desk, but everybody has assigned storage. Smart. Um, So we freed up all of our desks, and then we removed 50% of our desks. So we freed up a gargantuan amount of our real estate. But what we gave back, and it is, I'm looking out, it is the most beautiful showroom. You can see our showroom on our website. Go ahead. Um, you can plug it. Go ahead. Go ahead and plug it. Go ahead. <laughs> www.skgtexas.com. And we actually have a Yulia that you can go through and see exactly what we did. We freed up all of our space, but some of the, the, the there are three really dramatic spaces. The very first one is when you walk in, there's not a reception desk. It's a lobby. It's like a hotel lobby. I wanted people to come in and feel like they were walking into a hotel. So we have we have sofas and we have plants everywhere. And then we have, you know, far heights tables and we have kind of real cushy, cushy lounge areas. We wanted, if, if we were going to bring people back from their pajamas and their sofas, we had to almost create that same atmosphere, but in a really sophisticated way. I knew we had to give a higher level of experience than what they had at home, or it's going to be a really hard sell. That's brilliant. Hey, I want to come. Like Beth, I'm. You're telling the story, and I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to go back into some furniture sales and, and hang out there in Austin a little bit. This place sounds it is, awesome. It is so beautiful. I mean, it's very, it is very beautiful. It's very comfortable, but we created this atmosphere that was sophisticated yet comfortable, like approachable. Um, that made people, they want to come in. Um, and then we did some areas that were purposely non-technology, no technology, had Wi-Fi, but no monitors, no anything. I can get away. I can go heads down. I can meditate. I can do what I need to do to be mentally prepared for the day. Um, so one really dramatic area was our lobby and how we set that up like a, like a hotel lobby. Another area was we created this open area where we can celebrate and really drive culture. And our break room was really small. So we blew it out and we let it spill out into the floor with really flexible furniture that when we have a baby shower, which we're having tomorrow, or a a, a birthday celebration, or a bridal shower, or if somebody's wanting to do a team meeting, they have this really flexible space that gives ample room for social distancing but allows us to morph and change and really pull culture in and gather and have an impromptu meeting or eat my lunch and see my coworkers that I literally haven't seen in a year. So we created that space. And then in the very back, we infused technology in most places. Like even in all of our breakout areas are um, very intuitive technology that I as an individual can do a click share and plug in and do a web meeting I can grab a couple of people, do a quick touchdown, but then capture somebody that's still virtual, which is super key because you will continually have a flex space. You have
have to know that I'm coming in, but I'm still going to have to talk to people that aren't in. So how can every space intentionally do an in-person yet virtual meeting? So we did that everywhere. But in our third kind of dramatic space, we did um, monitors kind of in a, in a U shape and some mobile marker boards. And we positioned the furniture that it's low lounge, um, it's um, seated height and then bar height that you kind of create a stadium feel with flexible furniture. And that is where we do our all hands meetings. That's where we do big trainings. That's where we even do um, like our design lab is back there that when we have a big client meeting and we want to put a bunch of stuff out, but then tap into virtual either our employees or our team members that are still virtually, we have screens all the way around that they can still see and partake. And we can even move mobile marker boards up and close to where we're brainstorming or where we're having a meeting that even those that are virtual can still see what's happening on the whiteboard and engage. Mm, Beth, so we, Beth, you know what's a shame is? It's a shame you're not passionate about this. I <laughs> I'm literally like, I'm listening to you and I'm like, Oh my gosh, the space sounds beautiful. Like I want to go. So you can do a, a tour of the space, kind of a virtual tour of your space. And that's skgtexas.com. It is. And we did that because for us, when you go to our website, we don't lead with our product. We don't lead with our services. We're leading with research. We really want to help people. I mean, people are struggling. And we love space. Space is our neutral ground. That's what we solve for. We solve our clients' greatest problems with space as the vehicle. And then there's a lot that we can do within that, but we're not about selling people anything. We're about solving problems first. And so that's why it, we, we put it all out there. We, we put everything, everything's out there. And I don't care if our competition can see it. If we can help people by showing the vehicle and the tools we use, Great. And if somebody wants to steal it, have at it. I love it. I love it. Beth, your your energy and your passion are contagious. And I think anyone that's listening to this podcast is going like, oh my gosh, I love her. She is awesome. You know, like I'm sure every single one of your clients love you and, and I'm sure you make their spaces better, don't you? You know, I, I would there I have to tell you, in all honesty, no, they don't all love me. <laughs> um but you are right. I am very passionate and I love what I do, but I am, um, I'm really honest and not everybody likes that. And, and I'm okay with that. Like, and you don't do this. I've been doing this for like 28 years. You're, you're not in this industry that long and not, I'm, I'm a disruptor. So let's say that I'm a disruptor. Now I'm an innovator. And you don't get to be a disruptor for 28 years and not rub people the wrong way. Yeah, but you're like the nice disruptor. Like you're, you're, yeah, I, I think so. Beth, I we think have so. been friends forever. <laughs> totally. totally. <laughs> exactly. So, and I've only known you to be kind and, and creative and forward thinking and, and having a level of empathy. Absolutely. You know, if I think sometimes, and I don't want to say this about you, but like, Sometimes people confuse like innovating with just really doing what makes sense for the client, right? And sometimes it's really not doing exactly what everyone is doing um, and just having real empathy of like what you said it so many times, where's your client really want to go? And you're doing that. that. And that 
said, I think a lot of times, whether it's me or the business, we're often misunderstood because we are disrupting. We're talking about space in a different way. And I think people always saw what, how I, how I talk about space sometimes feels like a threat to people. When we're trying to support all of our clients, whether it's the brokers, whether it's design firms, whether it's project management firms, we're not out rivals for business. We're out supporting our customers' greatest why. And, and we're disrupting how that happens. So a lot of times we are misunderstood, but you bet, I, I am all of those things. And we are very, very empathetic. And right now it's, it's a really hard time to be um, a business leader. I mean, we're being asked to do a lot. And so I do have a lot of empathy with how our um, clients are showing up and trying to solve for space right now. It's I know. Challenge. I just want to hug, like, there's so many people in the industry that I, that just need to hug. And yeah. we've just missed that the last year. And, yeah. um, and I'm such a hugger. And I just yeah. want to like, I, and virtual hugs are okay. But like, really, like, like, I remember I went to a, a networking thing like two weeks ago. And it was great because it was half indoors, half outdoor. And, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty respectful of people like in their space. I must have had 20 hugs. Like people were like coming up to me, hugging me. And they're like, Mike, good to see you. Good to see you. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, like I need, what is it? Is it oxytocin? Like there's something that like, it's that oxy that you get. And you're just like, oh, I miss this. Like I miss this. We were built. I mean, the human species was built to be together. And we had to do what we had to do to survive over the past year and a half. But we're not designed to not be without other humans. We're not designed not to go this long without human touch. I mean, and that's, you know, there's so many studies around that, whether through orphanages or there's just centuries of studies over this, this element of connectedness and what happens when there's human touch and there's physical human engagement. I mean, it, there's no substitute for that. No, no. Well, listen, there was like 18 other things I wanted to cover and you're just going to have to come back on the show in a few months. So oh. I know I, well, Beth, I'm serious. Anyone that has as much acumen combined with charisma as you, I just have to have you back on. So you are a, uh, a fan of travel yeah. and you and I talked a little bit about travel. So a little bit about you. All right. You, um, you get it, the amount of travel time does not matter. So you get to just close your eyes and poof, you're there. And you know what? We're, um, we're not going to give you a budget. So you're going to close your eyes. You're going to open them. You're anywhere in the world and you get to be there for six days, five nights and six days. Um, and you get to take, um, of course, your husband, right? Of course. <laughs> you get to take, um, you, you get to take your husband and you're somewhere for five days and six nights. Where are you going? Oh, that's tough. Like I have a whole bunch of cities bouncing around in my head. Um, and you can, how about a region? I'll give you a regions. Cause I think, because the way your, your mind works, we're going to give you a, we're going to let you go, you know, within two hours of that area. I would love to do Malaysia, Singapore, Bali. Like I would love to do that area. I, I, I think that would, the way you frame that up, there's a lot of places that I want to go in the near future. 
I think that one is probably the one, the way you frame that up, just to kind of go and explore and dig in. I think that's where I would start. Mm. It was just, and you, so anyway, I, I will share a little bit about you. Um, Beth really prides herself on cultural immersion when she travels, in yeah. which you and I are totally in line there, 100%. Um, I didn't tell you this, but when I did ride from France through the Basque yeah. region in Spain, um, I took four years of French and I'm, I'm nearly fluent in French and Spanish. And, um, but we're in these really um, remote areas of France, which sounds kind of weird to say, but we were in non-touristy areas of France. And I'd walk in there and be like, uh, you know, bonjour, and I'd start speaking and they would immediately go like, all right, one, you're an American. And, um, and two, we don't want you to speak French. We wanted you to hear, we want you to speak English. We want to hear your American accent. And I was like, no, 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 let me try my French. I wouldn't want to try. They're like, working on this. I know. And they were just like, yeah, no, we want you to speak American because we don't get a lot of Americans here. And they wanted to hear an American accent. And I'm like, I thought you guys hated us. And they're like, no, 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 no. That's just the Parisians, but they hate everybody. <laughs> That's true. You know, I think with, I think why I love traveling so much is it's an experience and it allows me to learn so much more about humans. And that, that to me, that's my, at the end of the day, that's what I'm passionate about is this experience with, with humans. And my daughter is the exact same way. She and I have been known to, on a Thursday, say, you know what, let's go to San Miguel de Allende for Holy Week and experience their culture during Holy Week. And I'm going to call your teachers. I'm going to take you out of school and we're going to go for a whole week. And we, we did it. Or, you know, I have a trip in New York. You're going to go, you're going to stay in the hotel while I do my meetings. And then all afternoon, we're going to go explore New York and not in the tourist way. We're going to go really dig in and, and go do what New Yorkers do. And that's the way, that's what we do when we travel. And if this puts it into perspective, un our honeymoon, we were in Maui, and I was the one that, of course, had the driver pull off at like a random bookstore. I wanted to get a, I said, I want to do what the locals do. And they said, I got a map for you. And he opened a map and he put all these pin dots. We spent the majority of our honeymoon exploring hidden caves, like that you had to go find behind vines. And we were looking for these random road markers. And I wanted to go find the banana bread that was like eight miles on the other side of the island that somebody's grandmother made. Or that I want, I love going to churches. Even if I don't even understand the language that they're speaking in, that's where, that's such a part of their community and what makes them tick as a society. I want to see it all. I want to eat what they eat. I want to shop where they shop. Um, I will not eat ever at a chain restaurant only because if I'm somewhere special, I want to, I want to understand why it's special. I love it. I love it. Well, you're special. The team that's around you is I'm sure, um, I'm sure they're energized by your, your passion. And, um, I'm sure someone's listening to that going, yeah, energized by her passion. No, just <laughs> yeah, that are exhausted. I, it, it exactly. ago, I'm like such an anchovy. You love me or hit me. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Like, we no, glad you can see I know it's okay. Your whole team's going to listen to this. They're going to go, yeah, that's her. We love her. Um, so, Hey, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, learn more, 
um, if, if, if they had a project coming up or someone just wanted to pick your brain, you know, even on a, on a national level, how would they get in touch with you, Beth? So one, you can go to the website and you can get to me, um, to go to my LinkedIn, Beth Goff McMillan in Austin, Texas. I think there's only one of me here. Um, look me up on LinkedIn. I, I, I have my messages pulled up. I love meeting people. I love talking to people. I respond to everybody. Um, so please reach out either website or LinkedIn. I'll get it and I'll respond. And uh, I love curious people and I love people that are excited about space and, and what space can do for you. Well, you're, you're already, you're a huge, huge gift to the entire workspace world. Thank you for taking time out of your day. I really enjoyed Thank it. Thanks, Beth. Thank you for Beth. having me. I look forward to being back. Oh, you got it, Beth. Talk to you soon. Bye. All righty. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.